Well, guys, it's been a while, hasn't it, since we got a podcast out. Um, and honestly, there have been so many problems getting this one out. I think the subject matter has driven us all slightly insane, perhaps. Um, quite serious when I say that friendships have been lost, people citing dark energies. And, and to be fair, everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong. So, is this because of dark entities at work stopping this podcast in its tracks? or just down to the impressionable human mind that forms and reforms a dark idea into a shadow and then into a monster. Come down the rabbit hole with us, the Mind Snatchers, as we explore the topic of demonic possession. What follows is the original introduction that we wrote back in June 2022, and we'll take it from there. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to Invasion of the Mind Snatchers. My name is Sahara. I'm a psychiatrist in training and an urgent care GP in the UK. With me today is my friend Nola, who's also a doctor. Our topic today is demonic possession, real or the stuff of make-believe. A nonsensical, archaic belief that has no place in the modern world? Or are there elements of truth to this and evidence that simply cannot be ignored? After all, possession is transcultural and a major theme throughout the world's main faiths and traditions. It's Dr. Nola and me today. <laughs> Hello. How are you doing, Nola? <laughs> I'm all right, thanks. I'm just not Good. concerned at all after this nice introduction. So, <laughs> so <laughs> that concerned. was very encouraging. That was very encouraging. So if I have any internet trouble, <laughs> you would know why. <laughs> Um, but uh, it is a controversial subject, isn't it, Nola? And I think more so because we're clinical professionals yes. um, and it's natural for, for us to be reluctant about a topic that professionally speaking is unacceptable to a lot of people that we work with in our fields. Well, I do understand where you're coming from because, yeah, there's no evidence that, you know, that such thing uh, exists. So, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So it's True. difficult, isn't it, in the scientific community, in the world of medicine, yeah. um, which is our world, isn't it? That's 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 our world. Um, so the question that we're putting, Nola, um, we're putting this to the listeners, we're putting it to ourselves. Is possession of a human being by a separate entity with its own personality possible? It's quite a big question, isn't it? It is. And it's not a simple yes or no answer. So it's not... Very true. Yeah. So so it needs... Um, yeah, lots of people have got different opinions about it. Um, You're right. We've got lots of opinions from people that we know and um, experts that have contributed. Um, I think let's talk about, you know, our... Uh, understanding of possession and exorcisms is very much flavoured by Hollywood, right? That's and, very true. <laughs> <laughs> and movie depictions. Yeah. Um, we've grown up with that, you know, movies like The Exorcist. There's so many movies, aren't there? You know, Veronica, so a Spanish yeah. movie recently yeah. about possession, someone using a, yeah, a, a Ouija board. Um, yeah, and, and the most and, scary it, ones are the ones based on true story. <laughs> That's oh, <yes>. enough. <laughs> Definitely. That's enough to say yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. They say that based on a true story and then that gives you a bit of a chill, doesn't it? Because yes, you think, oh, uh, that could happen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Oh, definitely. Um, I was reading a book um, and I, 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 I didn't talk to you about this before, but I read a book called Hostage to the Devil. And it was actually a book written in 1976 by a Roman Catholic priest and an eminent theologian in the Catholic Church. His name is Malachi Martin. And the book was quite popular. 
And he claimed that this was case studies. Like we have case studies in medicine, don't we? Case studies of possession and exorcism. And he said that there were five Americans that he knew um, that had been possessed and that needed exorcisms. And Newsweek said about this book, Martin is above all serious. He's not talking about madness, about illusions or the irrational, but about the real beyond all reason. He presents exorcism as a titanic clash of wills that threatens the lives, the sanity and the souls of all attending. And Nola, what he did actually, he and for our listeners as well, he was talking about five people that he says had been possessed by intelligent evil. And he said that these were bodiless, they had no bodies, genderless creatures. Um, and then he went on to say some things that, you know, some people might find funny and other people might take very seriously. He said, possession is on the rise due to a favourable climate for the occurrence of possession. He says there's a rise in the number of satanic covens that hold black masses on a regular basis and that the average membership of these satanic covens is drawn from all the professions, including politicians, clergy, uh, doctors. And he says that demonic possession, in his view, was a consequence of ritualistic Satanism. Um, and he also said those that have no capacity for resistance become prime targets for possession. You can't be possessed unless there's some degree of cooperation. So that's very much the Roman Catholic view of possession, the stuff that we see in the movies. I'm just wondering, because you said it was five uh, Americans um, at the time and they were possessed. Has it worked then, the, the, the exorcism that they've... I mean, did they say if it worked or...? According to Maliki Martin, it, they were successful, but they it wasn't just one exorcism. It was repeated exorcisms. Um, and, you know, it's difficult to prove, isn't it? Because it's a book. If he's written it, I'm supposing that he's got evidence as in why he's um, he believed that this happened and the exorcism did help. To be honest, I don't know if that was actually true or not, or if this actually mm -hmm. happened or not, so so I won't mm -hmm. be able to comment on that. <laughs> I think speaking about what he said about that there's some degree of cooperation if someone is possessed, I think I do agree to some extent, as in religiously speaking we do believe that you know some things do protect us doing some things could protect us so so that mm. might mean that there will be more people susceptible um apart from the people that actually seek these things like um like people try to connect with um their spirit world they do they do in seances you're absolutely right um what i would like to do now is play some of the contributions that we have received from our listeners yeah, let's do that. <laughs> All right. If you would like to comment on the show or voice your mm -hmm. opinion about a future topic, please check our website to see how you can be part of this podcast. I think first up, we have a long-time listener to our show. You might recognise her voice. She sent us contributions before. This is Noreen. We actually used to work together, and I think everyone always enjoys her clear and outspoken opinions. Let's hear what she has to say. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, it's Noreen here. I don't believe that your body can be taken over by another entity. Um, I'm sure things have gone on, but I, I believe it's probably all in someone's mind, playing tricks with the mind, um, but I don't think it's possible. It's very clear, isn't it, that she doesn't yeah, believe. she doesn't believe that. Um, but I d have you noticed that many people are actually worried about admitting to, to something like this that might exist? 
to you know you might be true. called a nutter or crazy <laughs> you know um, that's true but I do uh, I do understand where she's coming from because because realistically speaking there's no evidence to say uh, that there is such thing and because it's something that we can't you know see it's, it's difficult to believe in it so so I would understand mm. definitely her point of view and mm. yeah mm. yeah I think you've hit the nail on the head actually that reluctance you could sense that reluctance perhaps to admit um that this is well, conceivable. Well, it's. I, I'm worried about that as well. <laughs> <laughs> worried about the. Um, uh, if, if I do, if I say I believe it might exist, yes, I might be called a nutter yes. or a crazy doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think knowing Noreen, actually, she's she is a very um, she is a very uh, sane, rational person, very intelligent woman. Um, it's not that she's reluctant. I I I, I don't think no, she's reluctant yeah. to admit it. I think I think yeah. if she did believe it, she would say it. Yeah. Um. So. Interesting. I, I would I would say maybe I'm reluctant not to admit it. As in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as in, I'm yes. worried. You know, because uh, sometimes you worry that deep down, right. if you don't yeah. admit it, and maybe it does exist, because you never know. It might. Yes. I don't know. It might possess you to prove you wrong. I don't know. <laughs> So you have to live in fear of being... <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm just, uh, I'm trying to be like uh, understanding of both sides. <laughs> yeah, I guess we have to be, don't we? And especially in our line of work as well. Um, so interesting. Yeah, thank you, Noreen. That's, you know, much appreciated your, your opinion. Mm, absolutely. Um, now let's go to Eric, who is a, um, he's a engineer at the top of his field he's got his own engineering company in the netherlands um and i would say that eric is agnostic and our listeners have heard from him before as well he's direct he's he's got his opinions um great accent let's hear from eric is possession of a human being by a separate entity with its own personality possible hmm for me that's a hard sell a really hard sell i mean this is stuff. The, the, this is stuff of mo- movies. This is, you know, this is voodoo. But in reality, if if people think they're possessed of, or if other people think that people are possessed, isn't that actually almost always psychosis? And why? I mean, there's always a why as well, isn't it? Isn't there? You know, why would someone be possessed by a specific entity, and why? Does it always seem to happen to people that are quite sensitive for that? They probably don't have the strongest personalities that, you know, I don't know anyone who ever was possessed. I do know a few people that, that you know, took too much drugs and, and maybe had a feeling for the moment, but that all ended when the effect waned off. So, nah, for me, this is a very clear no. Thank you, yeah. Eric. That's very interesting, actually, what he said. And um, I do agree with him because if you do believe in something, I think if growing up you, you heard a lot about, you know, possession, exorcism, you'd be more likely to to believe that or accept the idea that it might happen. So if you do, if you do believe that it might exist, I think, I think you're more likely to, um, when, when someone tells you a story about this happened, you're more likely to um to to believe it 
it's it's a bit of transcultural psychiatry as well, Nola. I think that's what um, you make me think of. And it, it, if you grow up as a Roman Catholic in, you know, uh, near the Vatican in Rome or Spain, where they're very heavily Roman Catholic, um, or we'll talk a bit about the Annalise Michael case, a girl that was born in Germany in Bavaria who had nuns in her family, priests. She grew up with Roman Catholicism. Yeah. Um, and you have a psychosis and you have delusions, you're more likely to say, I'm possessed by the devil. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you live in a secular society and you may be atheist or agnostic and you have a psychosis um, and you suffer from delusions, the flavor of that delusion will be different. You might say, um, the government have implanted a chip in my brain yeah, and they're controlling exactly. me that way. Mm-hmm. So it's still a possession and mm-hmm. it's a, a foreign takeover, a hostile takeover of your body and your personality, but it's not flavoured by the religion that you grew up in because you grew yes. up in a secular society. Um, so that's a very good point. Um, and often when I see psychiatric patients, actually, you do see either the group that have the religious delusions that grew up as Muslims, as Christians, and the group that grew up secular that say that, um, you know, government surveillance is going on or Mm. thoughts are being controlled by aliens aliens so it's not going to be the devil or lucifer it's going to be aliens Mm. and that's the difference in upbringing and belief structure religion um eric also said didn't he nola he said uh why why would these devils or uh demons possess someone why why what's the purpose because surely they don't want to be known they're in hiding it's Mm. their secret so why would they possess a human being maybe they want to be known (laughs) so maybe those ones that possess maybe they want to be known or they want some notoriety they want some fame you never know (laughs) well yeah yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting question actually. Um, I don't really know apart from the ones that's inviting them, um, but I don't know. I would I would guess um, it's curiosity as well from their side, maybe that they're curious as well about the human life and you know possessing a human body and being actually seen by humans. I don't know. That's very interesting. It's very interesting. I think in Malachi Martin's book, his book, Malachi Martin's book, he says that they want to destroy human life. They want to um, soil it almost, you know, they want to ruin it. Um, So I think his his argument would be that that's what they don't want to be known, but they still want to destroy a human life in every way they can. Um, Well, if that that, is the case, I think it's working. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. so what a lot of the um, the Christian faiths would say is that there are some signs and symptoms when a person gets possessed. Um, and they say that there's five main ones, the Roman Catholics say, repugnance or revulsion to religious symbols. So they say people can't stand to see the cross or they can't stand to see a Islamic prayer on the wall. It drives them crazy. They go, they go nuts. They say there's some kind of psychical phenomena. So there's telepathy. They can tell your future. They know your past. Things like objects flying, people levitating, superhuman powers and knowledge of ancient languages, like Aramaic. Um, Which, you know, and I have to say that, you know, working in psychiatry, working with some very unwell people, Mm. uh, I've never seen any of those things. I've never seen a single one of those things. And I I doubt... um, I doubt many people have. Because if you saw those things or you saw someone levitate before your eyes you would probably believe. Yeah, I mean, uh, and it's, yeah, that's that's true. 
and um I've seen them in the movies, as in, I mean, I remember, I remember about <laughs> the sign, right. the, the cross yeah. sign um, in yeah. in vampire movies. To be honest, oh, yes, this yes, is what yeah, comes yeah. to my mind, as in, um, true. so so all those things. I think I would say that the the knowledge that I have of them or where I've seen them is is from the movies, but yeah, I've never seen it. Yeah. But when someone says that um, they actually seen these things, um, I don't know. They might have seen it. They might have not. So it's it's difficult to say. It's so difficult to prove, mm. isn't it? Mm, exactly. It's so difficult. Mm. Uh, you know these like magicians, illusionists. They do things like this, don't they? They do like levitation and and weird things, um, and and most of it can be explained. It's tricks. It's trickery. It's illusion. Maybe um, they have but, superpowers. Know, I mean, oh, it's possible. I mean, <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> Um, but you know, Nola, what what if like we saw a patient and we saw um, I'll just give you an example. We saw a boy, a six year old boy from East London, um, who basically is you know he's born in London um, and all of a sudden he starts speaking ancient Greek and ancient Aramaic and and Latin and you know that he's never been taught that you're hundred percent sure. Would that be compelling evidence? Um, I think there might be other things that might explain it. I mean, um, it won't be the first thing that come to my mind. I don't think I would think about that because, as yeah. I said, it's not something that I have knowledge on about position. So it's not something I would think of. Um, but I believe that, you know, the way medicine is today, there is lots of things that we don't have an explanation for. So so we might have an, an answer in the future, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. So... I would consult a neurologist, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, and and maybe a few, right? You maybe you. Of course, I think you yes. were saying this before when we talked about it. You were saying not every doctor is the same. Get a second exactly. opinion. Get a third opinion. Yes, from a different background, from a different even um, uh, in practicing in a different part of the world. I mean, it's. I would definitely listen to the patient, as in if you know if if he's got these. Um, um is showing these these signs or symptoms but but yes i would consult different people it won't be my call to say um that's it say no to to medicine that's it it's something else yeah you're right um you, you know when they they talk about possession they often they describe this thing it's when you can see a sound or you can smell a taste each sense basically records what another sense should be recording so, um, you, oh. yeah, you can see music. It, it's weird, isn't it? Synesthesia. Um, and it's weird because we know that dedicated regions in the brain have specific functions. Um, and what happens here is the regions are cross-activated. So you have these odd experiences. Um, and that you actually get that in temporal lobe epilepsy, head trauma, um, psychedelics, LSD, um, mescaline, things like this. But they were talking about this in possession as well. So you're absolutely right. We have to look for a medical cause, uh, first and foremost, as doctors. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go to another um, contribution. So Suresh um, works in the Ministry of Justice in the Netherlands, and he's the head of mental health there. And this is his opinion of possession and it's a, a Hindu view. For Hindus, possession is not a strange phenomenon. In short, the Atma, your ultimate being, is just like a passenger living in a body. At the end of a lifetime, the Atma will leave the body and enters a new life due to transmigration or it will merge with the ultimate consciousness called Brahman. 
Because the body is just like a house, persons or entities can live in it, and when strange entities enter it, you can call that possession. In Hinduism, possession can be both positive and negative, divine or undivine, or of a nature that is spiritually uplifting or invasive and damaging. Positive possessions are mostly voluntarily, while negative possessions are not voluntarily. Also, in the yoga context, we find that an individual is able to enter into another and take control of his mind and body. In some Hindu traditions, it is also believed that very powerful female deities mentioned as shaktas appear in our world more often than male deities. We see in lots of Hindu temples persons who embody such a shakta and are seen as a living icon who permanently who is permanently present. She is considered a direct bearer of Shakti, who serves like an intermediate of the goddess. Devotees can approach them for healing and advice. One world-famous Shakta is Mata Amaritanandamai from Kerala. She is known as Hugging Amma. She travels around the world to spread the message of love and equality among all people, irrespective of their social status or religion. It, it sounds very interesting, but um, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't really understand by what he said about the positives. You have these religious spiritual leaders that part of a ceremony, they will invite a possession. Um, and oh, and they might say that it gives them healing powers. They can heal people, mm. but it's willing. Mm. Um, it, they're willing in, in the possession. It's not invasive. It's not mm. damaging. So that's, you know, positive. Mm. Um it's interesting. I think the Hindu, uh, our Hindu brothers and sisters, actually, they're, they're, they're quite deeply spiritual. You know, they're talking about the Atma, which is the spirit, um, mm. and that, you know, we're all passengers in a body. So I, I think for them, possession is very much a, um, almost obvious. I mean, it, it's, a, I think it's quite a central part of that way of thinking. Um, people can invade that house. You can take control of someone's mind and body. Well, to be honest, I mean, I mean, what is a body without a spirit? So, if if your if your spirit is is not there, so that means um, it's no longer. I don't think you you longer exist. I mean, when when the spirit leaves the body, you you you're dead. I don't really know um, what he says about the body is a house, and then like if you're possessed, I don't think you're you're no longer. I think you're no longer there if you're possessed. It's no longer you. Do you think if if that is yeah. theoretically, if if we think that that's possible, possible as in yeah. Do you think that he might mean that you're still there, but this foreign personality is in there as well, and it's almost pushing you to the periphery, but you're still there? Oh, uh, I'm not sure. You know, I'm just uh, speculating. It's a bit sim it's a bit similar to schizophrenia, isn't it? Very as good point, because yeah. you both, yeah, yeah. You're, you're the, both the divided there. self. Yeah. Yes, and sometimes this personality takes over, um, uh, and it's usually one personality stronger than the other. I mean, usually. Yes. Um, I did watch this documentary, actually. They they do have these children, um, or adults as well, that they say are possessed by, um, they would say, entities, deities, um, strong female deities, and they're almost worshipped by the people. Uh, the example that he gave was hugging Amma. She, I think she's one of those who goes around just preaching love and, you know, hugging people and doing good. Yeah, I mean, Suresh is very knowledgeable in, in Hindu scripture, so perhaps we'll, you know, ask him again to uh Yeah, that sounds, that sounds very interesting, yeah. actually. I mean, it, what came to my mind is, um, I mean, Phoebe Buffay in Friends, 
with her other lives. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So she had many lives, she said. Yes, yes. She exactly. wasn't. Who was she in her previous lives then? <laughs> I think there was someone in the war. Uh, she was like a nurse in the war, but I can't remember the the other lives. But right. yeah, interesting, isn't it? Because if you believe in that, and we believe in the spiritual realm um, and spirit, you know, inhabiting a body. But I think that in Hinduism, it's very much the spirit. When you die, it it keeps on rebirth, isn't it? It keeps going into another. Uh, I think this is yeah. This is what he meant, and it's uh, as I said, it's still you never know because. I think when I heard about this before, um, is that you don't really remember the previous life, and this is why yeah. you just carry on as yeah. as different um, a different life. Yeah, yeah. Whether that's true or not, we never yeah. know. Exactly. So yeah, that's that's interesting. Thank you so much, Suresh. I think what we'll do now is we'll go for um, we'll go for Tenkai Roshi. Um, Tenkai Roshi is the author of a book. Timeless Calling, Timely Response, a guide for Zen Buddhist practice. And he's the abbot of Zen River Temple in the Netherlands. So thank you, Tenkai Roshi. According to Buddhist teaching, you could say, we are all, to some extent, possessed. Namely, by a false, narrow-minded sense of self. Rather than seeing ourselves as different parts of the very same organism... Most of us seem to believe that we are some kind of fixed entity, separate and apart from others. This basic type of possession leads to all kinds of problematic mental states, such as anxiety, anger and jealousy. Even Shakyamuni Buddha, just before he attained his great enlightenment, felt as if he was haunted by evil spirits. But just in time, he recognized their illusionary nature and continues to focus on realizing his true self. Again, liberation from a false sense of self he may be possessed by opens us up to our real self. And that means that we become more creative and dare to explore other options as how to deal with situations we encounter. Isn't that beautiful? Well, I do agree that this belief always causes anxiety. Yeah, it's interesting what he said. It is. It, I mean, um, his point of view is that, that we're all one anyway, that we shouldn't maybe think of ourselves as individual entities, individual personalities, that our identity is us, um, but that we're all part of the same family tree as human beings. Um, and, and so in that sense, you can't really be possessed because we're not, we're not separate entities. We're all one in a sense. Yeah. I, I just mean that, um, the possession, I mean, I don't think anyone thinks that we, we get possessed by human beings. It's usually like evil, like spirits are not really humans. So, so if someone is to get possessed, it's usually by something, um, something else mm. or whatever that An means. Entity. That is. Mm. It's very much, I think, what we probably grew up with, isn't it? It's that you have your identity, you have your personality, and that's mm-hmm. you, and you're an individual. Um, yes. What we're always told um, when we're being taught is trauma degrades the personality, it fragments the personality. So children that mm-hmm, have been true. sexually abused or repeated abuse of any kind, their personality becomes fragmented. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's it's interesting... I'm in two minds. It's good to have your own personality and your own identity. That's important. Even in adolescence, even in children that grow up, um, they need to have that sense of who am I? 
um, and I'm a separate entity. I'm a being in my, you know, I'm a being. Um, and I often think that people that are possessed, um, is there a weakness in their personality, in their sense of self and in their identity? And is that why you mainly see young women, especially if they're living in a very patriarchal society um, and they mm -hmm. don't have a strong sense of self or identity? It can easily be fragmented. I, I see what you mean. And and as I said, is um, I do believe as well that it might be more people um, more prone to being possessed than others. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what the research shows as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People that are traumatized mm -hmm. that have um, social problems. Or maybe, I don't know if, if there is, uh, I mean, are they offered um, something in return? I mean, to heal the trauma or to to get them closure on something? Um, I mean, I'm wondering if there is something that makes them accept it as well, or if they have a say in it, in accepting um, something like this, if it does exist. Yeah. I keep, I keep emphasizing. If, if it, it does, does exist. If possession, if it does exactly, exist. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, lovely. I, I think what we can talk about very briefly, actually, is um, some views in, in psychiatry. We'll just do it very quickly. And then we're going to hear from Delia. Um, so looking forward to that. Um, and then we'll listen to the Islamic view as well. Uh, so Sigmund Freud... He said all religious beliefs are illusions. Um, and obviously he includes in that possession, life after death, um, mm. you know, believe in angels, demons. And he's quite typical in rejecting the existence of demons um, in the world of psychiatry. He said demons are nothing more than a human fabrication. He said, in fact, the acceptance of spiritual beings is merely a reflection of repressed human emotions and desires. Any thoughts on that? Because, you know, he, he's, I mean, we know how many religious people there are in the world, right? We know um, billions and billions, probably outnumber atheists. Hmm. And he's dismissing all of those people in a sense and saying, no, it's all an illusion. I mean, I mean, some people do believe in life after death, but um, are we actually sure about 100% sure about that? It's still one of those things as in that we can't be sure about. Um, I wonder what he thinks about that now. <laughs> What's his opinion? <laughs> we could do it. We could get. I'm um... not. I'm not inviting him at all. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, Carl Jung, just very briefly, he was a bit different. Um, he was. He said that he was exploring uncharted cognitive domains. It's what you were talking about, Nola. You're saying there's so much that we don't know about the human mind uncharted cognitive domains that are alien to Western modes of thought. He was very much into the occult, seances, spiritualism, alchemy, and even channeling demons. But he was quite elusive when people asked him directly because he didn't want to upset the mainstream establishment, um, which is what we're always on the, you know, it's always on the back of our mind as well. You know, we don't want to. Um, he wrote a book called The Red Book, published half a mm. century after his death. His family, his heirs, refused public access until 2009. It's called Liber Novus, the new book, and he said he could willingly enter visionary states of consciousness. He wrote something in that book, and I think it was in the back of the book, Seven Sermons to the Dead. 
He said there were mystical texts that he wrote in 1916, and he said it was authored, he channeled someone else, almost a positive possession. He channeled someone called Basilides, who was an early Gnostic Christian, a mystic Christian. So he had quite weird ideas, and he said that he had contact with another bodiless creature called Philemon. He was asked in a televised interview in 1959, do you believe in God? And he said, I don't need to believe, I know. So Nola, the reason that we were talking about this for our listeners is because, you know, prevailing thoughts in psychiatry still heavily influenced by these two key figures. Um, but you often, you know, in psychiatry, you often ask psychiatrists, are you Freudian or Jungian in your belief? And people will say, oh, uh -huh. I'm Freudian. Um, so they're still believing or influenced uh -huh. by these archaic, you know, guys. But I think, I think him saying, I know, yes. no, I believe, yes. means like it's like a very, very strong belief. It's like, I already, I don't need yeah. evidence. I already know. It's very interesting. Um, should we bring um, Delia's comment in? Now, Delia has been a, a teacher, very experienced teacher. Um, she's worked with especially autistic children for the last 25 plus years. And she's a committed, dedicated um, Protestant Christian. So let's hear from Delia. The existence of ghosts is certainly not something from the past, but has everything to do with the world of today. Someone can be possessed because of real contact with the spiritual world, like mysticism, magic, apparitions, contact with bad angels. And Satan can give them very special gifts, such as clairvoyance or psychic uh, ability. When aware of this source, Christians will surely long for prayer to get saved. Some may need psychological help to cope and to find a good new meaning for their lives. It's important and sometimes difficult to distinguish where problems come from. It's necessary to investigate whether people have been involved in ghosts, demons, witchcraft, voodoo practices, occult music and the like. It's also possible that none of this is going on and that it only has to do with psychological problems. It's interesting that Delia has talked about some bad practices so that we invite evil, we invite yes. possession. Hmm. Um, and she spoke about things like, you know, voodoo, you know, seances, Ouija boards, certain types of music. Um, what type of music do you think, Nola? Death metal, you know, heavy, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like it, it, it I don't know yeah, but yeah go ahead yeah but what she said about like uh, giving um gifts and um and I think like giving something in return I mean that's um that's the reason that some people do invite um or more prone to to get possessed because they do maybe they do accept it um because they were promised something in return that's interesting. So um, we're talking about these satanic mm -hmm. occult practices, which um, whether or not people believe it to be a fact or not, they do go on. They do happen. Um, you read about it, don't you? People do these mm -hmm. occult practices and they believe that they're making a deal with an entity and they'll get something in return. Um, mm -hmm. And whether or not it's true or it's all in their mind, we, 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 we yeah. don't truly know. Um, so are there certain things that we should be avoiding? I mean, seances... Because some some people do tell you things that they shouldn't really know, mm. whether that's a coincidence or um or is it because how would they know? So psychic. <laughs> I mean, when someone yes, exactly, like knowing something in the future, knowing 
you know, where they've been uh, telling you things. Because some people, t- I do hear stories about people telling me, um, we've been with this lady and then after that she told us this. And as soon as we left, we received a text and it shows this. How did she know? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it's just, it's always stories that you hear. That's true. But that's you true. Never, that's true. Yeah. Secondhand. And are they, I, mean, I mean, I guess, are they from trusted sources, Nola? Or people that you think could be easily influenced? Um, uh, f- for me, yes, it was uh, from trusted people. And just, yeah, and I don't want a confirmation. I don't want to be sure. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't want something to happen to me, as in yeah. someone, you know. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Um, you hear from reliable sources, I completely understand. But you, we haven't had first-hand experience. And we don't want it. Of course. Yeah, why would we you want, want it? it? Yeah. Um, I mm. liked what Delia said as well about, you know, you still need psychological help and you need prayers. I like that balance. You know, why not have both? Mm. Why not go all out? Mm. Go to your doctor, go to your psychiatrist, go to your GP, but get, you know, your your priest, your imam. There's no harm in doing both. Um, and mm. I think it's actually, you know, if you're in, in trouble, you know, uh, in terms of mental health, please, please see see a doctor, see your psychiatrist. You can't just go to a mm. priest. I think that's not I don't think that's wise. Um, I think you need to exhaust all possibilities. So I like Delia's comment there that, you know, you, you do both. Do both. If you have yeah. religious beliefs, mm-hmm. fair enough, you know. But see your doctor as well. Um, see your psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. See a neurologist. Yeah. Why not? Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you so much, Delia. That's fantastic. Um, we're going to go next to the Islamic point of view. Um and I think that, uh, oh, no, I don't know whether I told you, actually, I was watching some seance exorcism, actually, um, videos on YouTube, and they were Islamic exorcisms. Uh, if you do an internet search, there's an imam called Ayub Sayyid, um, and his videos are online. He's based in Sheffield, and I don't know if he's, you know, real or if he's... Um, fooling people I can't say and I'm not recommending him to anyone because I don't know if he's a charlatan or he's the real thing I'm sorry I I, I don't know they showed a woman dressed in a burqa right and she was rocking back and forth as he was doing the exorcism he was chanting verses of the Quran she was moaning rocking back and forth Um, and then towards the end she picked up a table and she put it near her head almost as though she was about to throw it at him but the whole thing was quite disturbing to watch Um, and he's quite popular it must be it sounds It sounds disturbing. Yeah. yeah. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, yeah. no, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is disturbing. I mean, watch it if you get the chance. We'd love to get your opinion on that. Um, but, uh, you know, we do, as uh, in the Muslim faith, we do believe in angels. They're quite core to most, if not all, the, the, the Abrahamic, you know, the monotheistic religions. Um, and I've got this 2.1 billion Christians in the world, 1.6 billion Muslims, 1 billion Hindus. Of 7.9 billion people in the world, only 1.1 have no religious affiliation. So more people believe in supernatural beings than don't believe, according to the according to the Worldometer. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, have you heard of any any exorcisms, Nola, in in the Islamic faith, or or not really? Not really, to be honest. Not to my knowledge, no. Well, but I do, but I do believe that these things. I remember growing up; it was um, those were the kind of movies that scare us most, and we used to say because it could happen. But I don't know where that belief came from, to be honest. But maybe we would talk stories whether that was 
stories to scare us mm. or actual stories. Um, yeah. But I don't know the evidence um, behind it. That's interesting. That stories to scare um, children into submission, into behaving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. yeah, that's true. Um, all right. So next, so we've got Lara and she is, um, she has degrees in English language and culture um, and she's based in Amsterdam. This is my point of view. It is very clear that Quran manifests human beings as selective entities. In other words, people have the opportunity to choose their route. So they are responsible on their dates or actions. So how uh, we can believe in position if people will be judged on the basis of their actions that they choose. So if there is any chance to be possessed by separate entities that will control the actions of people, how it will be possible to judge them in the resurrection day. So it is definitely uh, impossible. So there are no separate entities that possess our bodies or souls. Okay, so um, I do get her point cause, um, because... We do believe in like other spirits there, as in in Islam. We do believe in uh, jinn or other spirits uh, that we can't see. Um, they also have um, responsibility of what they're doing. They are, um, you know, they have the choice to either do the right thing or, or the wrong thing. But them possessing humans is not something, to be honest, I am... Not to my knowledge, I'm not sure, to be honest. But it's nothing that I, I would think of that is actually... Um, I do know about like black magic, when you actually try to um, to do like harm someone by, you know, inviting um, evil spirits or like, you know, harm in person, basically. I very much as well grew up with the, um, the, uh, the idea that jinn exists and, you know, it is an Islamic... Um, but jinn, the definition of jinn is just something that you can't see or detect or sense with your physical senses, with your physical perception. Mm -hmm. So an, a being that you can't see, unseen beings. And I think that very much is within the yes. realms of possibility. So in, in the Islamic faith, these unseen entities can certainly whisper and affect um, and influence in some way. Um, and I, I think that the Islamic opinion is varied, isn't it? Different people might have different opinions, but I think mm, mo uh, most, Isla most, mm. Islamic, uh, most Islamic scholars would say, yeah, it is a possibility to be possessed by a jinn. Um, mm. And I like what mm. Lara is saying, because she's saying that you choose and you're responsible. So you give them permission and they can't come in without your permission. And I think that's certainly at the essence of what I got from the Maliki Martin book as well, is that you let them in. This is the negative possessions, is that you mm. give them uh, permission. So if they, they come and they attack you um, and you have a mental defense, then they, it will repel them. If you engage in these practices, you're weakening your mind, you're weakening your spirit and you're inviting them in. Um, so it's really interesting what you said, because the way I see it is I hear more about it with people with faith or religion. Like even even in the movies, mm. you know, you hear more about it in like um, between nuns, uh, priests, um, people who are very religious. Um, so whether that's protecting, no, I don't, I don't really know. But whether that's protecting them or, or not, or is it the belief because they believe it exi exists? This is why they're prone yeah. 
uh, to be possessed. Yeah, you're right. Um, and I think that, you know, even in those communities of religious um, communities that are very closed, you wonder about abuse and trauma going on mm. um, and how that could be a cause or an explanation to why they say they're possessed because it's fragmented their identity and their personality. Um, so, yeah, interesting. Thank you, Lara, mm. for that, um, giving us food for thought there. Um, I'm going to bring in Iman, Dr. Iman. She's a psychiatrist um, and she's recorded a little uh, soundbite for us. So thank you, Iman. Let's play this one. So when we are considering demonic possession from a psychiatric perspective, it's really important to think about it in a transcultural way. Um, and this means looking at the wider ethnic and cultural context surrounding the patient and the psychiatrist themselves. Thinking about it in this way can just help psychiatrists become aware of hidden assumptions, the limitations of current practice, um, and can also help identify new approaches to treating and managing patients like this. So leading on from that, when we think about trance and possession from a psychiatric perspective, we see it as a transient state of dissociation. So it's a disturbance in consciousness or identity, which causes distress or impairment to the patient. And really importantly, the way that this manifests is shaped by a person's individual cultural and ethnic identity. So unlike dissociative identity disorder, where the different identity states are attributed to internal personality states, the different identities in possession and trance disorder are attributed to possession. So this could be by an external spirit, power, deity, or another person. Interestingly, and this may come as a surprise to some people, um, since 1989, the ICD has actually listed the existence of a trance and possession disorder. Um, and then finally, in the 10th edition, it officially featured it under the category of dissociative conversion disorders. And similarly, the DSM-4 listed uh, dissociative disorder with the same two subtypes, trance and possession. Ultimately, when assessing a patient who presents with concerns revolving around possession or listening to a family member, it's really important to comprehensively evaluate the socio-cultural factors, um, especially in cross-cultural settings. This kind of approach will help the clinician to understand the patient a lot better, understand the patient's experience, um, and help to tailor management options, especially in terms of kind of more unconventional treatment options. Thank you so much, Iman. That was that was fantastic. Um, so the ICD, the ICD is the international classification, um, you know, diagnostic classification that we use in psychiatry. Um, it's just a list of all the possible diagnoses and the symptoms that accompany it. So. Um, the international classification of diseases. Um, and the DSM is the American version that psychiatrists use. Um, but yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it, Nola, hearing mm, that? Yes, very, yeah. Um, also the fact that she said about listening as well, um, as in listening to the patient and, and understand um, their point of view. And I think that helps, um, you know, treating the, the patient as well. You, you make an interesting point, Nola, because I think, um, so in your opinion, if someone was, uh, your patient was 
believe they were possessed by, for example, a demon, um, would you challenge it or would you agree with it and even, you know, help, you know, do an exorcism as well as treat with antipsychotics? Would you ever go down that path where you would say, actually, yeah, that's a possibility? Um, or would you challenge that and say, no, you're not, you're not possessed. It's not possible. There's no evidence that it exists and there's no evidence that it doesn't exist. So I think if if uh, if the patient knows that someone is actually listening to them, um, even if I don't need to believe in in what they believe in, but um, I don't need to 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 fight it and tell them that's never existing. And I think that would, I think they would engage more when they feel like you're actually listening rather than when they say like they won't they would never understand because they believe in it. I think it might be a way at least keep an open mind. Or whether that would encourage it if, if it's not true. So it's, it's a difficult one. It is, <laughs> it's a difficult one. It is difficult. But I'm not a psychiatrist, so I don't need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you, you made so many good points there, Nola, that uh, in order to understand the patient um, and to for them to cooperate with you as well, it, it is important, isn't it? To understand what they're feeling. And that's phenomenology, isn't it? You're kind of yeah. you're understanding where they're coming from, their life experiences, how they've been shaped... Um, mm-hmm. and you're developing a therapeutic relationship and a rapport with the patient in a way that you never would if you were dismissive. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just want to pick up on the point Aman made, actually. Aman, Dr. Aman made the point that um, it's only a problem if it's a problem, basically. It's a problem if it causes you distress and it affects your functioning, if you're living in fear if yes. you break off your relationships, if you're in a constant state of depression, anxiety, then it becomes a problem. And that's when you need mm-hmm. to speak to a doctor um, and you need to get help. Um, yeah, absolutely. And as Delia said, do both pray mm. and get everything out of, you know, modern day medicine, psychiatry. That's the best way. We're saying pray, don't do exorcism, but we say pray. Yeah, I mean, you know, exorcisms... <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> well, exorcisms are difficult, aren't they, Nola? Because you don't know about the intentions of the person doing the exorcism. Um, and there are going to be... There's going to be fakery out there, right? There are going to be people that are doing it for money. Um, not mm. everyone. And there are going to be people that you can't trust uh, who, who might be doing it because they like the, the ritual and the the ceremony, um, the power they get, it must be quite a powerful feeling. Mm. You're an exorcism or a religious exorcist or a religious figure and you're going in there, you're going to get the demon out, you know, you've seen it yeah. in the movies. I think it's quite a powerful mm. feeling and it might give you a high. Um, mm. And I think, you know, there are fantastic people out there who are genuine, but equally there are people that are not. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we have to be careful. Um, so should we talk a bit about delusions, actually? So in psychiatry, they're basically fixed, firm, unshakable beliefs that people have. They, they cannot be persuaded. And there's basically a dynamic interplay here between personal factors, religious factors, sociocultural factors. Um, your delusion may not be the same as my delusion, may not be the same delusion mm-hmm. we see in Delia or in Noreen. Um, anyone can become psychotic. We said that before as well. So, you know, we're talking yes. about someone might say aliens, chips in the brain, government agencies. Someone might mm-hmm. say it's a demon. It's, you know, so it just depends yeah. on your own background, your the way that you've grown up. Um, mm-hmm. I think we, 
And the media takes part Such in it as well. Such a good point, isn't it? The media. <laughs> yes. Movies we've yeah. grown up with. Yes, exactly. About even aliens, what you've mentioned now, like yeah. aliens um, trying to take over Earth. So it does, it definitely does. It does, it does. Yeah. And it's so interesting, isn't it, Nola, that you, we said in the beginning, we wrote this in the beginning, that um, possession is a universal phenomenon. Every culture, every country has possession as a concept, as something observed. But why, why isn't it in every single culture in the world that you always get the same entity? Why isn't it always called Lucifer in every culture and every country in the world? There is that aspect of cultural um, moulding, isn't there of a person i agree but i think it depends on um uh, your bring your upbringing as well the things that affect you growing up people around you and i think this is why it might be the same thing but people think of it differently as uh, or give it a different name um yeah i mean it's i I can give you a few examples because we actually have to learn this in in psychiatry Mm. um amok in malay culture is a trance-like state Piblocktok in Inuit culture, I hope I'm saying this right, is an acute dissociative reaction. Sen Yugada is when ghosts replace the identity of an afflicted individual. Um, in Ethiopia, they call it Zar, Z-A-R, malevolent spirits or demons possessing. Um, and the New Testament obviously mentions several episodes in which Jesus drove out demons. Um, in, 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 the, in Congo, it's called Zabola, women's uh it's typically a woman who gets possessed um and it involves a dance ritual which is believed to have therapeutic qualities by the way uh and and is even considered a form of psychotherapy by some people (laughs) um so yeah it is in so many different cultures around the world although that we don't label these entities the same um -hmm. uh, and and of course we already spoke about the islamic point of view didn't we we spoke about jinn these are the unseen beings Mm. Beings that are concealed from the senses. Um, so I wanted to talk about. Yeah, sorry. I wanted to talk about the documentary. Yes, yes, that yeah. You're Which one is that watch. then? <laughs> <laughs> the one that you mentioned. Maybe you can have a brief um, about the, the one with the German girl. The German girl. girl. Oh, yes. Okay. So um, quite sad. Um, mm. the, the, the young yes. woman was called Annelise Michelle. Um, and the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose, the 2005 movie, is actually based on this true case. She was born in mm. Bavaria, West Germany, in 1952, um, to a Roman Catholic family. And I think, and I, I, I might have said before, she had nuns in her family. Mm. Um, she grew up with this belief system. Um, at age 16, she had her first seizure. Uh, And some odd experiences, you could hear knocking, she could hear voices. There was some talk of visions. Um, And her parents consulted a GP. Uh, The GP reviewed and then consulted a neurologist. And apparently the neurologist, after a while, said, I can't really help. Get a Jesuit priest. Get a priest. Um, So she had been on Mm -hmm. some medical treatment. She'd been on phenytoin, which is an anti-seizure medication. Uh, Tegretol, again, anti-seizure, mood stabiliser as well. We know it as carbamazepine. And Alept, which was Mm -hmm. an antipsychotic. But after five years of medical treatment, her parents said that it had no effect and her symptoms were getting worse. So they stopped. They say after five years. 
after yes. five years. So they did give That's it what a they say. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. In the last mm-hmm. year of her life, um, and she died at age 23, Nola, um, over, nine month, over a nine-month period, she had 67 exorcism rites, rituals. She would have one to two sessions per week, and they could be up to four hours long. These were recorded on tape. There were 42 tape recordings, which we've listened to some of them, haven't we, Nola? And they're quite interesting. Yes. Um, she, they're quite, they're quite horrifying. horrifying. Exactly. She, yeah. Towards the end, again, apparently she was um, eating insects. She was um, not eating anything else, not anything mm. that was nutritional. She was destroying rosaries. She was having high fevers. She was actually pronounced dead at age 23 or, and dehydration and malnutrition. She weighed 30.8 kilograms when she died. That's 4.8 stone. 68 pounds. Hmm. Um, The parents and the two priests were put on trial. They were convicted of homicide. I mean... I mean, it was quite, uh, it was horrifying, as I said. It was um, listening to it as well. Especially the part that she has tried many medications, actually, and over five years... But whether it was actually, I mean, it was 50 to yes. 70 years ago. So whether that was the right medication to give. Yeah. Um, I don't know how medicine was at that time. Um, but I think what made them, because they had 67 exorcism. I mean, at one point, would you think that it was helping? So to carry on. I mean, after five years of, of medication, they decided to stop. But 67 is, is um, a lot, especially, especially it's quite horrifying as well, the, the experience. Um, but I think it um, what affected their decision to just go to continue, carry on the exorcism is because they were told there's nothing else that we can do. Um, that's it, try a priest. So whether that was the right decision rather than uh, maybe consult someone else or maybe try to find, you know, a, or try a different treatment. Um, yeah, so the poor girl. <laughs> maybe they were trying to do the right thing for her. But, um, yeah, bless her, it didn't, it didn't really help. Yeah, and we don't have the full case notes, do we know, Lerner? It would, would be nice to actually yeah, have yeah, the whole medical would, notes yeah. with us so we could really analyse, mm-hmm. spend some time analysing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're left with whatever yeah, we can read. Um, I think that uh, mm-hmm. I was really actually quite scared and terrified when I heard the um, the growling, the voices. You know, she said that she was possessed by four or five demons and I think she said one of them was Hitler. Mm-hmm. Is that right? And... and uh, I remember, yes, that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I was actually speaking to someone about this and I was saying, uh, oh, well, you know, that sound, sounds quite scary. It's like a growl. Um, and it's actually my husband who said, uh, if you watch heavy metal, you'll know about the death metal growl. And so I, I invite our listeners actually um, to Google that and listen to it. You see the tiniest petite woman, right, Nola? Tiniest. It'll be like, you know tiny tiny girl you wouldn't think that this voice could come out of her and she does the death metal growl because they they do it in heavy metal and they train their voice and you'll be Mm. shocked at the sound that comes out we'll play a little clip okay we'll play a clip and this is not someone who's possessed this is a death metal growl you're gonna listen to what i Oh, 
okay. <laughs> wow, that's just crazy, isn't it? Unbelievable. It's oh, he's very disturbing. I would say, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting when you compare Annalise Michelle's voice to this death metal growl that performers, vocal performers, are able to produce just from mm-hmm. training. Um, I do wonder about that case, though, Nola. I do wonder whether there was any trauma, any abuse that she'd suffered, whether she had temporal lobe epilepsy. If that was our patient now, um, we would not let her die of dehydration and malnutrition. We would put an NG tube in. We would give Mm -hmm. her feed through the NG tube. Um, It's really difficult. It's a really difficult subject. Uh, If a patient has capacity and they want to die, uh, it's a very, very odd areas ethics um Mm -hmm. we do what we do Mm -hmm. in their best interests so we would try and keep her alive so that she wouldn't be dying of dehydration and malnutrition um i think it's an Mm -hmm. awful way to pass away um i thought i i I think she was i think it's Mm -hmm. almost abuse i mean 67 rites of exorcism over nine months um and you haven't been able to save this girl you're actually making her worse step back let 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 other like nola said Mm -hmm. let other doctors come in let other religious people come in you are a failure you are not doing the job you're making her worse step back let other people come in and help Mm -hmm. this girl because she was tortured you'd expect someone of religious faith to be a light a beacon um to help someone in trouble they didn't they couldn't do it they were not able to do it and they should have stepped back um yeah and i'm wondering why have they been recording it because um i think i remember uh, it was like there were, have been some recordings, like forty-two tape 42. recordings. Why were they recording it? Is in they might say it's evidence I mean, to prove that it happens and exists. Maybe yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you know we we weren't mm. there, but um, I think that just thinking about this young girl, it's uh, it's sad. It's very mm. sad. Yeah, it's a it's a very sad story, and uh, whatever happened to her, like the the cause of. Um, you know what she was showing and, and the symptoms and signs that she was having um, we never yeah we'll never really know yeah. but it's sad that she's already Agreed, died yeah. and and her death is traumatic absolutely um, so I think there was another documentary that I saw it was called the devil and father Amorf it was actually directed by William Friedkin and he was the director of the exorcist mm-hmm. and we follow this guy right Gabriel Amorth, mm-hmm. and since 1986, he's been appointed the chief exorcism exorcist mm-hmm. of Rome. Mm-hmm. You know that this guy, William Friedkin, he really wants to believe, yes. and he really wants to show people yeah. that, look, this is true, this happens. And yet his evidence is not compelling, it's not strong enough, and maybe it's not meant to be. Maybe if that world exists, there's never going to be enough evidence that's compelling, that will make everyone believe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what else are we going to be talking about, Nola? Anything else that you want to talk about in particular? Not really, no. Ha- have you heard of any exorcisms that have gone wrong? Have you heard about any exorcisms that have gone not wrong? Not wrong. I've <laughs> <laughs> gone well. Um, <laughs> I don't know, to be honest, because I think my, my point of view actually is that um, um, I think it's possible as a, an Islamic belief, a Christian belief, uh, the Hindu belief, the Buddhist belief... Mm. But I think it's so rare. I think yeah. these creatures, these beings, they don't interact with us in such an obvious way. I think they're unseen for a reason. They may influence us in other ways. Mm-hmm. 
No, I do believe as well, as in um, there are so many things that we don't know. So there is a possibility that it might exist. Yeah. Um, um, and I don't want to say, well, it, it would never exist. It's, it's definitely an illusion or um, because, because uh, as I said, I don't know. Well, there's no evidence it does or does not exist. And I like that view because it's not claiming that we know everything, that we have all the answers. Because we don't. We don't really have all the no, answers. And, yeah. Exactly. There was a, another sad situation, sad story. There was a case of Latifa Hashmi. She died, exorcisms gone wrong, died on the 5th of August 2004. Um, and again, she was covered with bruises. Her lungs were filled with water. She had had month-long sessions of exorcism in Belgium, uh, beating, swallowing litres of holy water, fed two spoons of yoga every day, always had earphones playing verses from the Quran. She was thought to be possessed, at least in part, because her husband said she could not become pregnant. That's a sad case. Yes, exactly. Um, so please, listeners, you know, get help. Get your doctors involved. I think maybe at some point, the, the, or the, um, sometimes it's easier to say the word, okay, they've been cursed, and that's it, that's the solution. Because there have been, um, you know, along the years, there's been uh, times when depression was not even uh, yes. something, it's just something, you know, that people are very weak because they're depressed. But it's actually, it's a condition it it that is. needs help and support. Absolutely. But it's easier to just say they're cursed, and this is why, you know, that's it. You're not really helping no. the person, you're not even listening to the person. Um, you just labour in it as it's something that we can't control and, and then they're doing the things that they believe would help. Exactly, yep. The other case was um, Naila Mumtaz. Three of her in-laws and her husband were found guilty of her murder. They said that the most likely reason for killing the 21-year-old Pakistani brought to England in an arranged marriage was that the family believed that Naila had been possessed by a jinn which had been sent from Pakistan by Nyla's parents. And so they smothered her in order to get rid of the jinn. The exorcist uh, had been in the room when Mumtaz died, but he could never be traced. He's basically disappeared. Um, and that's just, you know, three of the cases. Yeah, I mean, it, it can go wrong. Mm -hmm. It can go wrong. Yeah, yeah. If, if you're, if you're yeah. abusing someone, if you're drowning them, if you're beating them, you already overstep the mm -hmm. mark. Stop it. Mm -hmm. Get help. Yeah. Don't absolutely. go any further. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're taking a mm -hmm. life, um, and that's that. That's not acceptable. And I just the way I see it, <laughs> and as I said, like if if that actually exists, but actually uh, drowning her or doing those things, if he's actually a spirit, I don't think it would be harmed that much. As in, you're actually harming the person. Yeah. Um, who actually can feel those things, but the spirit is just uh, you know possessing the body i don't think i don't believe that they would be having uh you know sensation of like the pain and those things yeah i just i just can't think of it as a as a way why are we thinking about you know harming them uh, hitting them drowning them why is that supposed to be helping that's such a good point isn't it i mean if you believe in these mm. ethereal spiritual entities yeah why why are you yeah yeah i i completely see what you're saying nola yeah yeah if it's a spiritual mm. battle it should purely just be a spiritual battle yeah exactly this is what i'm thinking as in if it's just religious then it would be like things maybe to say or you know um that maybe that the spirit could hear 
and maybe find unpleasant or you know for them to leave the body but but the physical harm I just don't fully understand yeah do you think it's anything to do with um patriarchal societies very much where there's a lot of sexism and these are all young women right why isn't it a 25 year old man it's 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 interesting actually that it's mostly like I've never heard of it actually in a man to be honest it's mostly yeah. women isn't it yeah. that we hear about yeah and I think yeah. that's that that's just really sad um and they a lot of them are under 25 mm-hmm. as well um mm-hmm. so yeah. I, I think that uh we've had a really interesting discussion actually um i just wanted to actually very quickly talk about a case that i saw and you you've probably seen this as well actually in your mm. your work as a doctor mm. um uh, a case that was really interesting many years ago in intensive care there was a 25 year old who came to a e initially um and apparently she was very agitated and she was attempting to jump out of a moving car, claiming to her parents who were with her that she wanted to see God. So she was brought into A&E um, to, uh, and she was very aggressive. She was tore, tore, tearing off her clothes, attempting to assault her dad and other staff as well. Um, she was moaning. She was shouting incoherent words. And she was only responding to pain at this point. And then she would have these really weird movements where her... Um, she was in, you know, contracted. Her limbs were all contracted. She started having seizures. She had all the investigations known to man, basically. She had MRI, EEG, various specialists come. Um, at this point, she had high fevers. She had difficulty breathing. Um, and she had already been tried on a lanzapine and a high-dose antipsychotic, um, as well as diazepam because she was having seizures. Nothing was helping. Um well, when she started having breathing problems is when she went to intensive care and she was intubated and ventilated for mm-hmm. two months. Um, during this time, she wasn't improving. She saw neurologists, psychiatrists, general medics. Um, and finally, one ITU consultant said, let's just do a whole body MRI. Um, and it showed something in her ovary. There was something there as a structure that measured eight centimetres by six centimetres. Um, and I saw the structure and it had four teeth. And this came from her ovary mixed with black hair. Um, and Nola knows this. Uh, ovarian teratoma. <laughs> yes. Seen it? Yeah, you see it, gosh. it's rare, but we do see it. So, you know, she's got these four teeth and hair coming out of her ovary causing neuropsychiatric symptoms. Um, because basically what happens is you've got the, it's very similar to ketamine and PCP, uh, you know, the drugs. You get psychosis, um, muscle spasms, abnormal muscle tone, Mm. abnormal posture. She was treated successfully um, with this procedure called plasmapheresis and immunosuppressive treatment and obviously surgical removal as well, obviously, of the tumour. So I just wanted to say, Nola, what what if Annalise Michael had an ovarian teratoma? I'm I'm just really glad that you did not give up on yeah. on this girl yeah. <laughs> on this one honestly, because yes, it, as I said, like the the medicine, the way medicine is, we, yes. we even even the 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 consultant or, or the doctor who requested the whole body scan, he didn't even know what he was yes. going to show because there's many things that we can't explain, and we there are many exactly. things that we don't know. So uh, yes, of course, it might be an underlying reason or an explanation for for the symptoms that is happening. Uh, but it's quite interesting case actually. Yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm quite impressed to be honest. And after she's been treated, has she stopped having those thoughts? And yes. you know, yeah. 
I think there was a slow improvement in um, she started being able to uh, breathe for herself. So she was uh, extubated. So she's no longer now requiring a breathing tube just for our listeners to breathe. She's not on a ventilator. Mm. Um, and slowly her symptoms are all have all improved. But I, when I say slowly, I say within eight months to 12 months. So it's a slow process, a lot of rehabilitation. Um, but thanks, Nola. Yeah, mm. no, we didn't give up on her. Um, she was obviously also, she was intubated. She was having feeds through an NG tube. Um, and then for a yes. vein, we call it TPN. She was having mm. feeds. Mm. You can't let your patient die of dehydration and malnutrition. Exactly. And, and I think and I think that also gave uh, the team time to think about what to do next. And Exactly. Yeah, because some things take time to actually figure out yes. the cause of it. So Exactly. Um, I think this is a good point to end the show on. I feel that kind of summarises all the things we've talked about. All of the cases we have heard about today, whether they were truly cases of possession or not, they would all have benefited from the due medical care and attention. And I think Nola and me both agree that you can find strength from your personal beliefs but always please see a doctor, involve your doctor, yeah. ask for a second opinion, get more people involved. Exactly, exactly. I would like to thank all our listeners and those who sent us their recordings in particular. This has been a lot of fun, a very interesting topic. Let's hope there won't be any more supernatural occurrences after this. <laughs> Next time, we'll be talking about forming a relationship with a robot or an artificial intelligence. To find out more or to contact us, go to invasionofthemindsnatchers.com or find us on social media at mind underscore snatchers thank you for listening we hope you'll be back next time <laughs>